Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from the Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City, featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infiniti QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball, this is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. A warm up of Welcome to Lobby Las Vegas for the baseball betting show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. We've got a great podcast for you. It's in the second segment. We are going to be joined by Lauren Campbell, does a great job, and Nesson and the Lockdown Red Sox podcast. We've got Yankees Red Sox starting up tonight, so we're going to be taking a look at that series. We're also going to be taking a look at the landscape in general of the American League. He says, all of a sudden, the Yankees double digit lead. It's been shrinking and shrinking by the day. Can one of these teams be able to creep up, be able to dethrone the New York Yankees for that division title? We'll be diving into that. And just the overall playoff picture as well. So great chat with Lauren coming up in segment number two. In the final segment, going to give you guys picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. First things first, always do love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. If you got one or two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore 81. Keep in mind, letters M. Maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline. And the other way, it is via an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to fire whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five-star review. Really did not wind up getting in any Twitter questions today, but had a fun day of baseball on Monday. So let's take a look back at it. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. A game through yesterday is Greg buzzing about. Here is the rowdy recap. The Cleveland Guardians take down the LA Angels by a count of 5-4. to four. And for some of the West Coast games, I will dive into this right now that I won't be able to recap all of them because Greg Peterson experienced now 9 to midnight p.m. Pacific time, midnight to 3 Eastern time. So I do have to 
recording this more around like 6.45, 7 o'clock p.m. Pacific time in terms of the recap. So that does wind up inhibiting that a little bit more. So just want to throw that out there right now. So if you notice that there's a few games I don't wind up hitting as much, that is the reason why. But Guardians, they are able to get it done as they had a 4-0 lead in this one. The LA Angels claw their way back as it's not a good night for either starter. Reed Detmers gives up four runs over the course of five innings. Our good friend Connor Pilkington, he gives up four runs over the course of five innings with Pilkington giving up a pair of bombs. Mike Trout, home run number 35 of the season, and I believe that this is his sixth home run in the last seven games. He has been incredible, actually seventh in his last nine. And then Matt Duffy, home run number one of the season. From there, bullpens were relatively solid. Aaron Loop gives up a run in an inning, and that costs the team the game as... Andrew Wants and Ryan Tapera both lend a scoreless inning, and for the Cleveland Guardians, Eli Morgan and Yel De Los Santos Emmanuel Classe all go for a scoreless inning with Sam Antiges and Trevor Steven combining for a scoreless inning of their own. The Pittsburgh Pirates then go to Cincinnati, and they were on to Cincinnati and on to a win, 6-3 the final. Mike Miner, who's been a major disappointment, got no help whatsoever from the fielding. Three throwing errors in this game as Miner, he gives up six runs, four of which were earned. He did wind up allowing a trio of bombs. Going deep for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Brian Reynolds, home run number 22 of the season. Rodolfo Castro, his 11th, and then the other Castro winds up going deep for his 8th home run season, Diego Castro. So, you've got a lot of Castros going yard for this team. And then, Joel Kunal, Derek Law, Buck Farber, Hunter Strickland, all lend a scoreless inning, and RDC Day Sakino, home run number 8 of the season, and his 4th home run in the last 10 days. Yeah, that winds up coming off of Bryce Wilson, who gives up 3 runs over the course of 5 and 2 thirds innings, and then Will Crow, 2 scoreless innings out of the bullpen, and Robert Stevenson, 1 and a third inning scoreless, and these two teams will play a pair on Tuesday. DK Nation pick was over seven in Astros versus Tigers, and turns out to be a push because there were three men thrown out at the plate in this game. That was brutal. Seven to zero. The final as for the Astros. Framber Valdez, complete game, gives up just one walk, six hits along the way. He was tremendous. And for the Houston Astros, they go six of fifteen with Ben in scoring position. No home runs, but they got to Eduardo Rodriguez, who has not been having a good run of things. Five runs surrendered at five innings. Bullpen from there wasn't terrible. Garrett Hill, two scoreless settings. Josh Foley, a scoreless setting. But Will Vest gives up two runs in the ninth inning to be able to get a push on this total. And for the Houston Astros, now 91-50 and 50 in full control in the American League. The Blue Jays, they are now the number two team in the American League East. They take down the Tampa Bay Rays by a count of three to two thanks to a pair of runs in the bottom of the eighth inning as Boba Shett, he winds up going yard. That is home run number 24 of the season. That one being the difference. That comes off of Jason Adam, and Adam has been tremendous this season, but gives up that home run. Two runs in total over the course of an inning. Colm Pooch and Avi Guerrera both landed scoreless inning. JT Chorgua, one and two-thirds inning scoreless, and not a terrible start from Cooper Criswell. He comes in, gives up one run in three and a third innings, but the Tampa Bay Rays just could not get to Jose Barrios, who gave up two runs, one of which was earned in six and a third innings. He's really shaped up recently, by the way. Yimmy Garcia, one and a third innings, scoreless short Romano. 33rd save of the season. He lends a scoreless inning, and Tim Meza gets an out out of the bullpen. You do have a interesting ordeal here with the Marlins and the Texas Rangers. Currently, it's in the eighth inning as I do this, and the Marlins, who wound up in game number one, will go do game number one first. Well, they got held the three runs of fear for the 32nd time in 36 games. Rangers get it done by a count of three to two. Glenn Otto gives up two runs over the course of six innings, and then Matt Moore, Jonathan Hernandez, goodbye for two scoreless innings. Jose LeClerc lends a scoreless setting as 
The Texas Rangers did a solid job of being able to get to Trevor Rogers. Two runs surrendered at six of the third innings. And for Rogers, nine punch outs looked much better in this start than they did for much of the season. But Stephen Okert, trio of walks, giving up one run in two thirds of an inning, wound up being the difference as Jeff Brigham, Tommy Nance, they combined for six outs out of the bullpen scoreless. But Miami, nothing doing on offense in game one. And then they erupt for a 10 spot in game number two as. For the Texas Rangers, it was John Gray coming off the injured list, and in his three and two-thirds innings, he didn't look bad. First start in over a month for him, one under and run, and the bullpen from here has just lit the game on fire. A.J. Alexi and Brett Martin combined to get six outs, and they combined to give up nine runs, eight of which were earned, and Asus Tanoko from here has had to take over as the Texas Rangers have been able to get a trio of home runs. Corey Seager, home run number 30 of the season. Marcus Simeon, he gets home run number 22 of the season, and how about the young gun Josh Jung? His second home run and I believe his last four games as for Miami. Rex Garrett got his first turn in quite a while, giving up two runs and four two-thirds innings. Why this guy is getting innings, I have no idea. But Brian Hoying, he gives up four runs over the course of two innings, including a pair of those bombs as Uskar Blazobin, Tanner Scott have had to come in to hold down the four from there. And for the Miami Marlins, no home runs currently, but... 8 of 16 with men in scoring position. The fate of teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball, we're not going to know how Giants versus Braves do as you wind up seeing on Sunday Night Baseball in that Giants versus Cubs game. The Giants be able to get it done by kind of 4-2 on Sunday. That was a lone game that I was unable to recap yesterday as it was a bullpen game for the San Francisco Giants and Everyone did their part, giving up two runs on 12 hits as the Chicago Cubs in that one. They wind up going one of six with men in scoring position. C.A. Suzuki was able to crank out a home run, but Wade Miley was let down by his bullpen as he wound up having a long guy. Hayden Wisniski come and give up three runs and three and two-thirds innings after he had given up just one run over the course of five innings. And we also are going to be unknown as to what happens in the Dodgers versus the Diamondbacks game, but for Cubs versus Mets, a Cubs team that has been relatively rocky for them. This is not quite final, but going into the ninth inning, Cubs were able to get to Chris Bassett. They hold a 5-1 to one lead as for the Cubs. Javier Assad. This guy does nothing but wind up getting out of big-time jams. He gives up one run over the course of six innings. The Mets, as it stands right now, have left 10 men on base. They stranded the bases jacked in the eighth inning as Bassett gave up five runs over the course of three and two-thirds innings with the Cubs getting a pair of home runs. Zach McKinstry, home run number three of the season, and Rafael Ortega, home run number seven, by the way. Teams coming off of Sunday Night Baseball, 7-17 and 17 straight up this season, and the Cubs, by far the biggest underdog coming off of Sunday Night Baseball. Tommy Hunter, one in a third inning, scoreless. Trevor May, a scoreless inning, and Michael Givens has been able to Givens the team two scoreless innings. But if you're taking a look at the game of baseball right now, what you are noticing is that we've had this season be a little bit more of an underseason, but over the last three days, things have been relatively solid in terms of totals. You've been seeing a few more unders and overs as the under is hitting at a rate of about 51.5%, 194 unders to 183 overs in this time span. Favorites overall, they've been relatively solid, 244, 149, 62% hit rate, and home favorites, 142 and 84 in this span. But among those home favorites, 45 failed to cover the run line, and that's been a hallmark of the season in general. As home favorites, they're overall 60.8%, 790 and 510. But among these 790 straight-up wins, 243 have failed to be able to cover the run line and unders for the season, hitting at 51.4%. 
1,020 unders, 964 over. So that's what we wound up seeing in baseball on Monday. And that's what we're seeing from a trends perspective coming up next. Let's get a little bit of a New York versus Boston state of mind. Let's take a look at the biggest rivalry in all of baseball with Lauren Campbell, who does a great job at Nesson and the Locked On Red Sox podcast. And take a look at the American League playoff picture in general. That comes your way next right here on the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now a part of the Houston Family Podcast. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, bro. <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying cows are bust. You can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation blogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O.
What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even posted to my my dance, bro. (laughs) There's plenty to celebrate in March. And Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Breaking down every game every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here in Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, and it is great to be joined by Lauren Campbell. She does a great job over at Nesson along with the Lockdown Red Sox Podcast, covering a little bit of everything. I know that she does a great job of also covering hockey as well, which before we know it, that is going to be back in our lives as she does the Snipe and Silly Podcast. If you're looking on that front as well, you're able to find that wherever you get your podcast. And to be able to follow Lauren on Twitter, hopefully I get this one correctly, la, 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 Lauren. And then you've got four R's on Lauren all together. And Lauren, great to have you aboard. Thank you. Great to be back. I'm excited to talk some baseball, even though it's not really going the Red Sox way, but it's always a good time to talk baseball. Hey, hope always brings eternal when you do wind up getting a series against the New York Yankees. And a Yankees team that I think that we both be in agreement not coming in in the world's greatest form for the Yankees. Certainly the pitching has been there, especially in the bullpen. But for the New York Yankees, you got Aaron Judge hitting 55 home runs. I think that he is sewing up the MVP with what he's doing right now. Because if Aaron Judge is not hitting, this is a Yankees team that's very beatable. Especially going to Boston where they've had some struggles over the last few years in general. Especially the man that is going to be on the mound in Garrett Cole. I think now might be a valuable chance for the Boston Red Sox to be able to get some wins and we both know this. It's a long shot for the Red Sox to be able to make the playoffs, but we actually have seen crazier things in past years. We have. And until they're mathematically eliminated, there is that that chance right there. And I mean, you can't say enough good things about Aaron Judge because the Yankees are in a much different spot without him in that lineup. And it's a great time for the Red Sox to obviously put themselves in a better position and the wild card standings, but also kind of help the Rays and the Blue Jays and kind of knock the Yankees out of the top spot in the AL East. So Garrett Cole, we all know how Raphael Devers loves hitting off Garrett Cole. So it'll be a, hopefully a good two game series for Devers. But I always say it's always it's always a good time to win games. It's always the, the series are important, even though 
it's unlikely the Red Sox will make the postseason. But at this point, you just want to end the season on a high note. And whenever you can beat the Yankees or have the opportunity to beat the Yankees, especially for the Red Sox and Red Sox fans, you want to take that opportunity. And I think that you can speak to this about as well as anyone, because I know that I'll have a lot of people because I cover pretty much every MLB team. They'll be like, oh, team is tanking things of this nature. And I mean, we've covered the Baltimore Orioles and them losing 100 plus games for many, many years. But the guys on the field will never, ever give up. Now, the front office might wind up putting out there some funky lineups, give a guy that might not be quite ready an opportunity, but you know that you're going to get the absolute best from the guys out there on the field, especially, I mean, I mentioned it, that you wind up getting the best day in and day out. When it comes to Yankees versus Red Sox, you have no fear whatsoever that the Red Sox are going to be up for this series, and if they do wind up losing a few games, it's not because they were just thinking about their tea times or anything like that. It's because the Yankees just flat out beat them. Yeah, I think that, you know, if even if the Red Sox were 20 games out of a wild card spot, that you're going to put the best lineup against the Yankees because it is that rivalry. And it's just, it gives the players also something to look forward to. I mean, you're always going to get 110% from Devers, from Bogarts, from Story, from Kike Hernandez. And you're always going to get the most effort from them, especially against the team that brings out the best or maybe even the worst in some of these guys. And it's always it's always fun when these two teams get together, no matter what's on the line, if nothing's on the line. It's just such a storied rivalry. There are two very historic teams, two very successful teams in their tenure over their, uh, their, over their time in MLB. You're never going to get a bad lineup. You're not going to get you know, the game 162 lineup when the Yankees are resting all their players or when the Red Sox are like, we're not going to risk injury to Devers or to Bogarts. You're, you're going to get the wild card lineup, the ALDS game one lineup. That's what you're going to get when you get Red Sox Yankees. I totally agree with you. I do think that the series in general is going to be a lot of fun. As we both know, Garrett Cole, north of a five year A against the Boston Red Sox this season as well. So something to take a look at as joining me on the podcast. It is Lauren Campbell does a great job over at Nesson along with the Black on Red Sox podcast. And you've been able to see this team up close and in person just from my sort of away from the team, but following them on a day in a day out basis view. It just feels like with the Red Sox, the offense has not been the problem for this team. The offense has been very solid. They put up 17 runs on Saturday. Certainly a little bit of an outlier on that front, but I just take a look at the Red Sox and things have went down the toilet bowl for them, in my opinion, just due to the bullpen and the bullpen alone. Guys like Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier, that they were relying upon to be good bullpen pieces. They have not been able to be that by any stretch of the imagination. They've actually had some nice surprises in someone like a John Schreiber, but with the Red Sox and just what has been really hurting them this season, in my opinion, it's been the bullpen number one, number two, and also the fact that you wound up having a little bit of a lack of effort from someone out there in center field who I know shall not be named, gave up a grand slam a little bit earlier this season against the Toronto Blue Jays. That'll give you a nice hint, but I really feel like that has been the undoing of the Boston Red Sox. I don't know if you have anything to add, but that's just from my view, what has been hurting this team the most this season. Yeah, the bullpen, and we can go back to last year, the year before, the year before that. It's always been an issue. There's been help readily available at the trade deadline in the offseason. There's been pitchers available for the Red Sox to trade, to sign, and High and Bloom just has not done it. Hopefully that changes this offseason because you're not going to get far if you can't rely on your pitchers. And you've already released Saramora. You've had issues in and out of that bullpen. You've had people come up from Worcester, go down to Worcester. And the offense, there was a lot of struggles in the beginning of the season. They seemed to really click in June. 
And every time it'd be like 6-4 and you're like, all right, the Red Sox, that should be enough for the Red Sox to win. And Matt Barnes kind of seemed to look like he's turned things around. But before then, you were like, oh, God, he's coming in. Ryan Brazier's coming in. And of course, the injuries. The injury bug has just completely ravaged this Red Sox team. No, that that's no excuse. And they, they weren't the only team to deal with injuries. But when you have the injuries, you did. You had Trevor Story on the IL. You had Kike Hernandez, Chris Sale. And it's just, it just never ended. It feels like everyone in that starting nine has been on the IL at some point in the season. And then, of course, you had all those issues in center field with now he is in Worcester, where I don't imagine we will see him in a Red Sox uniform after this season. I do think they'll try to trade him now that they've signed Kike Hernandez for another year. But I just feel like everything that could have gone wrong for the Red Sox this season has gone wrong times 10. Yeah, it has been not great in the bullpen. You mentioned just what has been happening with regards to the center field spot as well. Kike Hernandez, even when he's been out there on the field, has not been the best year for him either. And it has not been the best second half either for the team that they're going to be playing against the New York Yankees. And in the AL East, entering into Monday, Yankees were about five and a half games up on the Tampa Bay Rays. And the question I'll pose to you is, do you think that there's a chance that the Rays or the Toronto Blue Jays, with the Blue Jays being about six games back, have a chance to be able to catch the Yankees? Or do you think that at this point, it's just gotten a little bit too late? Because the Yankees have had a really bad second half of the season. Once again, we're talking about Yank- we're talking about injuries with the Red Sox. I think you're able to say the same thing with this Yankees lineup. And it has been... So stunning to just watch this Yankees team who it looked like they might be able to set a new season wins record, be in a dogfight, just be able to win this division. Yeah, I mean, anything is possible, right? We, we said earlier on, on this episode that, it, you know, crazier things have happened. I do think that the ALE still is within reach for both the Rays and the Blue Jays. We're down to the wire here. It is going to take a lot, but the Yankees since the trade deadline have not been good. And I've said throughout the season when they had that 17-18 game lead in the AL East that they had a, they had time, that they had, even if they went through a little slump, that they'd be fine. I didn't think that the slump would bring them down to five games. I thought, you know, it would be nine, ten, maybe eight at the very most. But when you start getting down to the fives and the sixes, you're like, okay, this is very doable, especially with how many AL East games there are left in this season. We have what 25 ish games left and you look at how many they are against AL East opponents in in that whole division so there's definitely room for the Rays to get there it will be tough because I do think at the end of the day the this is the Yankees division to lose I don't think they're going to lose it at the end of the day but the Rays are right there and they're they're not going away they are a gritty team and they do not give up easily so it'll be it'll be tough for the Yankees to hold on, but I ultimately think they do. I think that the Yankees are going to be able to as well, but very crucial doubleheader between the Rays and the Blue Jays because they're going to be starting that up on Tuesday. And if one team can wind up sweeping the other, honestly, the best thing for the New York Yankees will be having these two teams pretty much split that series. So that way, neither really gains overly much ground on them. That could make things very fascinating as well. I just take a look at the entirety of the American League, and I view the Houston Astros as hands down right now the best team in that division. They and the New York Yankees have been jockeying 1-2 for best bullpen ERA in the big leagues this season. They still have been a top-five team in terms of home runs on a per-game basis in baseball. They want to make that trade to be able to acquire Christian Vasquez at the deadline. I've been a little bit surprised that they haven't utilized him more than they have, but I take a look at this Astros team, and I feel like all the other teams in the American League, they're just trying to fight 
for a chance at second place and trying to fight to be able to get into a seven-game series and hope that their pitching lineup winds up lining up just right against the Astros to be able to knock them out. Yeah, I mean, I've I've said this at the beginning of the season that the AL East is always a really tough division and a really it's always fun. It's always very competitive. And now next year, it'll probably be even more competitive with all five teams, probably going to be above 500 and competing for wild card and uh, postseason spots. But you look at the rest of the AL and just how stacked it is and how just unreal some of these lineups are. And I think it will come down to they tell you pitching wins games. And we saw that last season when the Red Sox were in the ALCS. We've seen it with the Yankees in the wild card game. And it's going to be a, a, a fight. Like if I would love to see seven games of Yankees Astro, Astros just coming down to bullpen because that's the kind of stuff that makes baseball a lot of fun is to see it come down to your relievers and to really see after all this time, everyone's tired in October. You're at the very end here. You, you can see the finish line. But the bullpen and the Yankees and Astros are great examples of this, are showing you why the bullpen is so crucial. Even when you have a good offensive lineup, the Yankees have a very deep lineup, and they've been able to win games because of that bullpen. Yep, that bullpen has been so crucial for the New York Yankees, even with having some issues with Clay Holmes, being able to look at someone like a Ron Marinaccio, that has been so crucial for this New York Yankees team. And just with the landscape of baseball, I do think that it is going to be relatively open for the World Series. I think that when it's all said and done, the representative from the American League, most likely going to be the Houston Astros. So if you tell me that the Seattle Mariners, with what they've been able to do the second half of the season, is able to creep up, I would not be surprised. Heck, I like what I'm seeing out of the Cleveland Guardians, the Chicago White Sox, and Tony La Russa have been able to play relatively well as well. But I just feel like this is another one of those years. And I feel like in baseball, we're able to say this so much more rather than so many other sports like the NBA, like even the NFL, that it is a postseason, which all you need to do is get in and you've got a shot because I take a look at baseball and even with teams like the LA Dodgers, the Houston Astros winning all the games that they do, I see vulnerabilities with every one of these teams. And if you're able to get that pitching rotation lined up just right, I could see a bunch of teams that maybe are a little bit off the radar making a big run this season. Yeah, I mean, there's a reason that they say that regular season stats don't matter in the postseason. Everyone gets a clean slate. I mean, you just look back to last year. The Red Sox weren't supposed to beat the Yankees in the wild card. The Red Sox weren't supposed to beat the Rays in the ALDS. They were supposed to get swept by the Astros, and they came within two games of the World Series. So really, anything can happen in the postseason. Once you're in, that's it. Everyone's pedal to the metal and just hoping for the best. And all you have to do, much easier said than done, is win three games, win four games, and that's all you have to do. And it's most seven opportunities in front of you. And the, this is what makes postseason baseball so fun is because you can see upsets of World Series favorites. You can see the upset of the Dodgers, of the Yankees or the Astros. And it makes it fun to root for the underdog. I mean, the Rays have been really fun to root for. And they're a big, big personality team there. And they haven't been to a World Series, what seems like, or they haven't won a World Series in what seems like 100 million years. So you love to see these underdog teams beat the top to the top seeded teams and the favorites. Again, what, what makes postseason baseball so much fun? Because once you're in, anything is possible. Absolutely. And it does feel like 100 million years for the Tampa Bay Rays, because if they win it this year, that would be number one for them. They got so close a few seasons ago. Hopefully they will be able to bust through, have themselves a nice season. And I do think that it's going to be a great postseason. And Lauren, 
Hopefully we can see a little bit of a Red Sox run here towards back of the season. I'm going to be back in them on Tuesday, but I know you're doing a great job of following this team all throughout the season. And hey, once baseball season is done, I know you get right into hockey mode as well. So love to get people at home. Know they're able to follow you on social media and everything that you got going on in general. Yeah, I mean, I'm hockey. I'm be at captain's practice on Tuesday. So I'm pretty much in hockey mode for the most part until baseball is completely over. But you find all my stuff right on Nesson.com. Tons of Bruins season preview stuff coming from now until opening night puck drop and my social media, La 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 Lauren, three laws, Lauren, four hours, and posting the Locked On Red Sox podcast Monday through Friday and Snipe and Selly once a week and Ness and Bruins pod once a week as well. So a little bit of everything. Lauren does a little bit of everything and does it all so well. She's joined me a few times on the podcast this season and every single time always brings great energy and great insights. A big thanks to Lauren Campbell of Nesson for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the VC Family Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you fix and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, Demarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my, my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex-
National Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? My first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my game. <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to The Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Sarah, I love that spring break vlog you posted on Zigazoo. OMG, you watched it? Yeah, it was edited so well. 
I think you're so talented. Social media interactions are only positive when you use Zigazoo. Zigazoo is the world's largest and safest social media network for kids. Your kids can upload their content and see what their friends are up to. With Zigazoo, they can create videos, enter to win prizes, and try out the latest dances and trends. There's no commenting, no text messaging, and everything is 100% human moderated. Plus, all community members are real, verified kids just like yours. There are no bots, trolls, or AI. Because Zigazoo is about one thing and one thing only, and that is fun. Try out Zigazoo this spring break and let your kids share your vacation vlogs and best edits with their friends safely. Download the Zigazoo app today. That's Z-I-G-A-Z-O-O. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my dance, <laughs> There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free... Breaking down every game, every day in Major League Baseball. This is the Baseball Betting Show. Here is your host, Greg Peterson. And we're back here at Lovey Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Show with myself, Greg Peterson, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast. Great to get Lauren Campbell on the show. She does a great job with the Locked On Red Sox podcast, and she does great work covering all things Boston sports over at Nesson. She has joined me a few times on the podcast this season and always does a great job whenever she joins the show. So big thanks to her for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast to give you picks and analysis on every game on the betting board for this MLB Tuesday as we touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that as per usual, any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at unit underscore 81. We're going to be going in Las Vegas rotation order. This is where we go with the National League games first, then the American League games, any interleague games. Those are going to be at the bottom. That'll keep things all nice, neat, clean, and easy. So without further ado, we dive into a double dip where we're going to need to go a little bit out of rotation order because I'm just going to do both of these games all together. And we're going to have a pair of double headers on the board, by the way. But let's get started with 951, 952, and 955, 956 on the board. This is the double dip between the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Cincinnati Reds. And it's going to be hard to give you overly much on this one because the betting board reads for both games to be determined. 
you're going to be getting a lot of, shall we say, bullpen pieces that are going to be throwing in both games in this one. Right now, ESPN projects for game number one, Luis Sessa versus Yohan Oviedo. And then Fangraphs has thrown out there the fact that we might get Luis Ortiz and... Raynell Espinal in one of these games as well. So we're going to call it what it is. We're probably going to be getting two bullpen games for both of these teams. And if we do wind up getting Luis Sessa versus Yohan Oviedo, I'd set the Reds at minus 146. And something like Espinal and Luis Ortiz, I think they're relatively equal. So I set the Reds minus 122 in that spot. But you're going to be seeing some high totals. Like for Sessa versus Oviedo, set it to where 9.5 or less. I'd be taking a look at the over 10 or higher to the under. And then in Espino versus Ortiz, we're going to call what it is. Bullpen game against bullpen game. 10 or less, we'll be looking at the over 10.5 or higher to the under. It's not like both of these teams are supreme with regards to hitting or anything like that. But when it comes to Cincinnati Reds, the top half of the lineup is not bad. Donovan Solano is hitting nearly a 300. The Reds have been very good on offense when they've been at home this season, averaging just under five runs a game because it is one of the more hitter-friendly ballparks that you're going to find out there in the big leagues. And Kyle Farmer, TJ Friedel, Jonathan India, they're hanging in that pocket about 262, 270. They're able to move the line, but able to get a little bit out of El Lejo Lopez. He's been hitting about a 200 now. The bottom of the full guys like Chucky Robinson, Jose Barrero, Aristide Sacchino. They are not necessarily too terrific, but Jake Fraley has been able to step up for this Reds lineup for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Kevin Newman's back. He's hitting a 270 at the top, and then you do have guys who are able to move the line. Cabrian A's, Michael Chavis, Rodolfo Castro hitting between about a 230 to a 245, and then Brian Reynolds, 22 home runs, hitting a 255, 335 on base, but they themselves have guys towards the bottom of the fold like Diego Castillo, Gregory Allen, Topico Medicano, Jack Swisniski, hitting a 250 15 or lower, so both of these teams are top AV with regards to their lineups. Both of these teams towards the bottom of the big leagues in terms of bullpen ERA. I gotta figure that in at least one of these games, we're gonna be seeing Chase Young, who's been a very good long guy for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Now, in his last appearance against the St. Louis Cardinals, he completely blew the game, giving up four runs in an inning, but still for the year. 240 ERA. Will Crow is a former starter that's been posting up right around 375 ERA for the Pittsburgh Pirates. And you got to figure that Yohan Oviedo, he throws at least one of these games. And for Yohan Oviedo, he has made two starts right now for the Pittsburgh Pirates, going four and two-thirds innings, giving up four runs. Has never been great. When he was with the St. Louis Cardinals, they won fewer than 30% of his starts. His walks per nine rate is four and a half this season for Luis Sessa. He's been stretched out a little bit more, and he could actually be able to give the Reds a full five innings. So, depending upon if he winds up going game one or game two, like I said, if he goes up against Oviedo, I might actually give him about a 20 set advantage compared to like a bullpen game. So he's able to go five plus innings in each out of the last two, and he's given up two runs or fewer in all four of his starts with the Cincinnati Reds now. Once again, small sample size in the starts that he has thrown as he's went 17 and two thirds innings across four starts. So not like he's necessarily going deep in. He has given up four home runs in those starts as well, but he's starting to become a little bit more of a reliable option. But for the Reds, really aside from Alexis Diaz, who has been solid in the bullpen, he's been able to post up a sub 250 area all season long. Don't have a lot of guys that are trustworthy. Luke Farrell, someone that comes over from the Chicago Cubs. He can lend a few innings. He's made a few starts this season, going two plus innings. He's posted up about a 380 ERA. Buck Farmer has been okay. He can lend a few innings, but as well, Revier San Martin. He's a starter by trade, but with Revier San Martin, he's also got a 694 ERA. So going to be a pair of relatively grody games. And then Luis Ortiz, he's a minor leaguer that could wind up coming up. And I would put him a little bit higher than Raynell Espinal, who's got north of a 5 ERA at the minor league level. But really, neither of these guys 
have great command. So in bullpen game versus bullpen game, I would set the Reds about a minus 122 favorite and the total to where a 10 or less, I'd be looking at the over. And with Sessa versus Oviedo, if this is what we get, minus 146 on the Reds, 9.5 or less to the over, 10 or higher to the under. But very much a murky situation. Check back in the morning at GNR Score E1 on Twitter because got to figure that Oviedo and Sessa are both going to be starting at least one of these games. We just don't know which and we don't know what we are going to be getting in terms of the other starters. So makes it a little bit difficult under the circumstance. Did my best to give you something there, but apologies. It is a strange ordeal on that one. 9.53, 9.54 on the board. A little bit more of a straight-up game here. The Philadelphia Phillies at the red face-off against the Miami Marlins. Cindy Alcantara is going to be going for the Fish and Bailey Falters on the bump for Philadelphia. 7 is the total over and under, both at minus 110 for Miami there. Between minus 127 and minus 135 favorites between plus 115 and plus 125. Five is the number on the Phillies and it's willing to go up to a minus 127 with the Miami Marlins. We are at the max I'm willing to lay, but I'm willing to lay that minus 127 with the Miami Marlins because Sadio Contra, he has been acting up a little bit more recently. Three plus runs surrendered and now four out of his last seven starts, but Sadio Contra has been far superior at home than on the road. Overall this season, I would still put him in the lead in terms of the Cy Young Hunt. 243 ERA, but Buck 61 home ERA, 338 ERA on the road, giving up six home runs at 106 innings at home. He has been able to really fill six plus innings in all but three of his last 24 starts. He has been able to do an amazing job landing length. Opponents during a buck 89 off of him in Miami. Strikeouts per nine rate is not overly high, right around seven and a half punch outs per nine innings. And then you do take a look at Bailey Falter and He's been able to land some very good starts. He's given up two runs or fewer in four out of his last five starts, three runs or fewer in every one of them. But I think that this is a little bit of a Medusa as he has faced off against the Arizona Diamondbacks, the Miami Marlins, and the Pittsburgh Pirates twice in that stretch. So he's been going up against lesser offenses. We'll get to that Miami Marlins offense in a second. But overall for Falter, 333 road ERA. He has been giving up the deep ball. He's allowed 13 home runs in 62 innings as far as the season. That's right around two home runs per nine innings. But he's able to get some swings and misses. Has done a good job giving up only about two walks per nine innings as well. And for the Miami Marlins, Three runs or fewer scored in now 32 out of their last 36 games. It is absolutely incredible. That was going into game two of the doubleheader. I will throw that out there right now. But for this Miami Marlins team, it's deplorable. They had nobody going into game two of that doubleheader with more than eight home runs this season that is currently healthy. You've got Garrett Cooper, Joey Wendell, John Birdie, hitting between about a 250 to a 260. And Charles LeBlanc, when he's been in the fold, he's able to move the line a little bit. But guys like Brian De La Cruz, J.J. Blade, Jacob Stallings, you're able to go down the line. Jarrier Encarnacion. Got so many dead bats, it's not funny. And for the Phillies, you've got Bryce Harper. He's only hit one home run since coming off the injured list, but has been able to move the line, hitting about a 300 in that time span. Kyle Schwarber has cooled down with the deep ball a little bit, but he's still got 37 home runs. Needs to work on the 215 batting average, but he's done a good job moving the line. You've got Gene Segura has been able to hit very well for the team. And Bryson Sott. How about the way that he's been able to pick it up? He was not good at the beginning of the season. Has been hitting right around about a 290 over the last 40 days. That has been very good to see. Nick Cassiano's post-all-star break has been able to get on base. Home run power has been down a little bit this season, but you've got Reese Hoskins going deep 28 times. His righty-lefty splits are not necessarily the world's greatest, but he's been able to do a formidable job. And for the Philadelphia Phillies, they now have Sir Anthony Dominguez off the injured list. He, Brett Hand, David Robertson are guys that you're able to trust in towards back half of games. Connor Brogdon has had issues recently, posting up a north of 6 ERA over the last 30 days, but by and large, it's a solid Phillies bullpen, and for the Miami Marlins, not a supreme bullpen, but still a bullpen that is able to be 
Okay, they did wind up having to use up quite a few bullpen pieces because they did wind up having a double dip yesterday, but Uskad Badazobin, sub 3 5 ERA. Dylan Floro, Richard Blyer, these guys have been solid. Stephen Okert threw 27 pitches in game one of the double dip yesterday. He's likely out of the fold, so that does wind up hurting the seam a tad, but being able to have Sandy Alcantara out there, being able to help out quite a bit with the bullpen issues, so I do mind saying the Miami Marlins at a minus 127, and Set my total at 6.2. I think that Sandy is going to be dominant at home. I do think that the Miami Marlins do get the leg up in a game in which I don't want any part of a run line because I don't think that the Marlins score enough to be able to cover that run line, but I do think that they should have a leg up being able to get a straight up win against Bailey Falter. So looking under and willing to lay up to a minus 127 with a fish. 955-956 is a part of that Pirates versus Reds double dip. So we go 957, 958. The New York Mets, they play OC Chicago Cubs. Adrian Sampson is going to be for the Cubs and Jacob DeGrom is going to be going for the Mets. The Mets are a very big favorite. And we're between plus 310 and plus 328 is currently your number on the Chicago Cubs. And between minus 360 and minus 380 is what you're laying on the Mets. And if you're looking at that Mets run line, by the way, you're going to be getting that anywhere between minus 160 and minus 165. And your total on this game, it is 7 with the under at a minus 120 and the over at even. And when it comes to total, I do actually like the total under because I do think that Adrian Sampson going to do an okay job in a pitcher-friendly ballpark. And as long as I was getting a plus 315 or greater, and we have gotten there on the Cubs, I was willing to fire in a shot. If you have laid up these favorites of minus $3 or more, so you've laid to win $100, you'd be down over $1,000 if you've taken the money line on all these big, giant favorites. And Jacob DeGrom has been tremendous. The team is 4-1 and one in his last five starts. He has gone out there, and he has allowed one run or fewer in four of those five starts. He has given up a few deep balls this year, given up three home runs in the course of his seven starts. But, I mean, really, 63 strikeouts to four walks. It has been absolutely insane, but you still have to... Keep in mind that he is quite injury prone. You never know when he's going to wind up dipping out of a start a little bit earlier for one. For two, the Mets, they do have some guys like Yoli Rodriguez in the bullpen that aren't necessarily trustworthy. This has been a league average bullpen post-All-Star break. Now, Seth Lugo has been able to do a better job for this bullpen. Edwin Diaz, we all know how tremendous he is, but for the Chicago Cubs, it's not like this is the world's worst lineup. They have been dealing with injuries to Patrick Wisdom, coupled with Wilson Contreras. That is a bit of an issue for the team, but Framio Reyes, ever since he He's come over to the Chicago Cubs. He's been doing a nice job of being able to move the line. He's been able to hit about a 275. Not necessarily a lot of home run power. Former home runs in 115 at-bats entering yesterday, but he's been able to do a good job getting on base. C.A. Suzuki, Ian App, both of these guys in between about a 260 to 272. They did get wisdom with north of 20 home runs back in the fold yesterday. Alfonso Rivas, Christopher Morrell, they're in between about a 242 to a 250, so got a little bit of upside there. And for the Mets, sometimes the bats just wind up going silent when Jacob DeGrom is on the mound. That has been happening a little bit less frequently. You do have Brendan Nimmo, Francisco Lindor, Mark Canna, Pete Alonso, lying between 265 to 275 with Alonso, north of 30 home runs, north of 100 RBI. So these guys have been able to do a solid job. And for the Chicago Cubs, it is a little bit more of a depleted bullpen. They trade away guys like David Robertson, Michael Givens, who ironically enough is now on the New York Mets at the trade deadline as well. But Adrian Sampson, he holds down the fort, doesn't wind up giving up a lot of walks, and has been better on the road than at home. 409 home ERA, 331 ERA on the road, giving up one home run in 32 and two-thirds innings away from home. Very much a pitcher-friendly ballpark that suits his liking very well, and I do think that Adrian Sampson going to go out there, going to do a solid job against the Mets. I think that Jacob DeGrom is going to be as dominant as could be, but two runs in this game, I think... 
might give the Cubs just enough to be able to have an opportunity getting north of plus $3 once again. I don't think that the Cubs, by any stretch of the imagination, should be a favorite over Jacob DeGrom. That would be ridiculous. But getting plus $3, you need the Cubs to pretty much win one out of four games just to be able to break even. And I think that the Cubs are good enough to be able to do so in this circumstance. I'm going to be taking a look at the under on seven. I said my total is 6.9, but plus 315 or greater like we've got right now. I'm taking this plus price with the Chicago Cubs. 959-960 on the betting board. Oh, boy. Got the Milwaukee Brewers hitting the road face off against the St. Louis Cardinals. Matt Bush starting a bullpen game for the Milwaukee Brewers and Jordan Montgomery is on the bump for the St. Louis Cardinals. No numbers up on this game. It was announced during the evening that the Brewers are going to be going with the bullpen game and I set Jordan Montgomery minus 170 for the St. Louis Cardinals. This is not a good ordeal for the Milwaukee Brewers. And when I wound up seeing this, I wound up tweeting out a bunch of minions screaming in terror when I saw that the Brewers were going with a bullpen game. Matt Bush has not necessarily been the world's greatest bullpen arm for the Milwaukee Brewers. You don't have a lot of guys who are able to lend a lot of length for this Milwaukee Brewers bullpen either. you got to figure that Luis Perdomo is probably going to be seeing quite a few innings. He's been able to lend about a 345 ERA. They've utilized him for multiple innings quite a few times this season. Brent Suter by trade as a starter. He's got about a 4 ERA and not a guy that is going to get a lot of strikeouts. He has not had a good last two weeks as well. Taylor Rogers has been a hot mess. You do have Brian Boxberger, sub-3 ERA, and if you're able to get to Devin Williams, he's been posting up right around a 2 ERA this season, but not a good ordeal here for the Milwaukee Brewers. And Jordan Montgomery, ever since he's come over to the St. Louis Cardinals, aside from that start that he had against the Atlanta Braves, he's been masterful. Buck 45 ERA, strikeouts to walk rate of a 4.8, so he's been good on that front. Not necessarily getting a ton of strikeouts, right around 7 half strikeouts per 9 innings, but just does a solid job in general in terms of the command. Does a okay job of being able to keep the ball in the yard between the time with the Yankees and the St. Louis Cardinals. A little bit less than a home run per 9 innings surrendered for the St. Louis Cardinals. They are dealing with a few ailments when it comes to their bullpen as well as maybe deal with... Genesis Cabrera being out of the fold along with Packy Naughton, but Naughton, he has a chance to be available in this game. Chris Ryan, since he's come over from the Pittsburgh Pirates, has been solid in the bullpen, and Ryan Elsley is posting up a sub-2 ERA for the St. Louis Cardinals. They've got a little bit more firepower than this Milwaukee Brewers team with their top two in Paul Goldschmidt and Nolan Arenado. It combined 63 home runs this season. Arenado hitting about a 300, and then Paul Goldschmidt, 325. Albert Pools, he has been absolutely ageless, 697 home runs. And you take a look at what he's done post-All-Star break. He has legitimately been one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Post-All-Star break, Pete Albert Pools is hitting a 340, and he's been able to go deep 12 times in 103 at bat. So that is something nice and even better. Corey Dickerson is hitting a 398 post-All-Star break as well. Not necessarily hitting as many home runs, but he's been a solid job moving the line. Brandon Donovan, he does a good job with his average, and that's really what the Milwaukee Brewers are lacking. That one guy that's able to be a table setter is able to wind up moving the line because you got a trio of guys, 25-plus home runs, Roddy Tillis, on Renfro, and William Adamas. But at this point, it's been Christian Yelich who's been the leadoff man for the team. He and Mike Brasso in between about a 262-266. You do have Renfro, I mentioned a little bit earlier, Jace Peterson, Colt Wong, Andrew McCutcheon in between about a 242 to a 255. And then you've had Castanera go a little bit cold with the bat, but man, it is a case of which you really do not want a part of this Brewers bullpen game, in my opinion. I did wind up saying the Cardinals minus 170 as a result on the money line, and made my total an 8.6, 8.5 or less. 
would look at an over a nine or higher to the under. I recognize it is a relatively pitcher-friendly ballpark, but with the Brewers throwing out there a bullpen game and the Brewers having some firepower of their own in the lineup, I do think that things wind up getting to be a little bit higher scoring. So that's where we stand on that as we go 961-962 on the board. The LA Dodgers, they have the road, they're facing off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Merrill Kelly is going to be going for the stakes, and Clayton Gershaw is on the bump for the Dodgers. The Dodgers, minus 190 to minus $2 favorites between plus 170 and plus 175, the number on Arizona. 7.5 to 8 is the total, with the 8 unders minus 120, the overs even on the 7.5, over minus 120, and the under as juice of even with Merrill Kelly. Needed at least a plus 155 to take a shot, and we've gotten past that plus 155. I like the way that Merrill Kelly has been able to throw all season long, and prior to this year, for his career, Merrill Kelly had an ERA that was about a point and a half lower at home rather than on the road. He's actually been a little bit better when he has been on the road rather than at home this season, but guys has been masterful wherever he's been. Posting up a 12-5 and record, 294 ERA at home. He's got a 292 ERA, 295 ERA on the road, giving up a nearly equal amount of home runs per nine innings at home. Six bombs and 92 and a third innings allowed with opponents saying a 240 off of him and has had his issues with the LA Dodgers. He wound up having one start earlier this season where he just got completely tattooed, but other than that, he's been able to do a very good job. Flip side for the LA Dodgers, Clayton Kershaw has been dealing with back issues and He's been okay since coming off the injured list. He has made two starts, giving up three runs over the course of 11 innings. So, has been able to hold down the fork, getting 14 strikeouts in that time span. I wonder if they're going to give him a normal workload until the postseason, though, because as we know with the LA Dodgers, that is all that matters for them. At this point, he has yet to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks this season, by the way. But for the Dodgers, they've went just 6-6 six and six in Clayton Kershaw's last 12 starts. Now, the Dodgers may supply a very good lineup as you have Trey Turner, Will Smith, Freddie Freeman, Max Muncy, all between 19 and 21 home runs. Then you've got Cody Bellinger, Longjoy Gallo. They really need to pick it up in terms of the batting average, but both of these guys, 17-plus home runs. You've been able to have someone like Justin Turner being able to move the line. His home run numbers have been down, but really since the beginning of the month of June, has been hitting above the 300. But for the Arizona Diamondbacks, has been a bunch that has been able to move the line themselves. For the Diamondbacks overall for the season, they do rank in the bottom 10 in terms of batting average. And it's been a case where at home they have not been able to supply the same deep ball as they have been on the road. I'm not sure what it's been. I know that they were one of the first to utilize humidors, but they've been averaging the Diamondbacks have been right around 1.35 home runs per game on the road, more like 0.9 home runs per game at home. Christian Walker and Dalton Varsho, a combined 56 home runs this season, both gentlemen hitting in that neighborhood about a 240, and Ketel Marte, he's been able to about a 240 as well, but Stone Garrett and limited at-bats, he entered into yesterday hitting a 400. Jake McCarthy has been able to hit a 290. These guys have been able to step up. You still have your dead-bats like Jordan Luplo, Sergio Alcantara, Geraldo Perdomo. Guys are not doing a good job of moving the line, but Diamondbacks have been better on that front now. The trepidation that you've got with taking the airs and the Diamondbacks is bullpen has not been good. Joe Mantiply, he's got a sub-3 ERA, and Ian Kennedy has been relatively solid, but you throw in there guys like Caleb Smith. Let's throw in there Mark Melanson, Kevin Ginkle. These are guys that are posting up an ERA of a 450 or greater. And then for the LA Dodgers, Craig Kimbrell has been an albatross all season long. They've been dealing with injuries 
upgrades to Blake Trine and Bruce Ritter-Gradrall, but you've had the less heralded guys like Caleb Ferguson, Alex Vasilla, even someone like an Evan Phillips be able to step up, be able to supply a sub-3 ERA. So I do think that the Arizona Diamondbacks, despite those bullpen woes, they do have a little bit of a leg up to bind up saying my total at some point one with the way that the Diamondbacks have not been cranking out the deep ball at home. So looking at the under... I was willing to take plus 155 or greater with Arizona. 963-964 on the betting board, the San Francisco Giants. They play us to the Atlanta Braves. Says Kyle Wright hopes to be Mr. Wright for the Bravos. And Jacob Junis is on the bump for San Francisco. San Francisco between a plus 135 to a plus 140 underdog. And between minus 152 and minus 155, the number on Atlanta. 7.5 is the total. Overs between minus 115 and minus 120. The under is any between even a minus 105. Set the Braves more around minus 175 on the money line. If you're looking at the run line, that is at even money. I would rather take the money line because I set my run line at a minus 108. So I'm seeing a far bigger differential. Taking more like a minus 150 on the money line. Keep in mind that San Francisco, one of the most pitcher-friendly ballparks that you're going to find in all of baseball. And for Jacob Junis, he's been able to do a better job being able to get just swings and misses in general. He's been avoiding more barrels than when he was with Kansas City. So he's been able to do a tad bit better throughout his San Francisco Giants career. But I still love what I'm seeing out of Kyle Wright. He has been Mr. Wright all season long for this Atlanta Braves team. As a matter of fact, he's got 17 wins this season. And for Kyle Wright, he's been able to do it both at home and on the road. And really with just not giving out a lot of walks. About 2.5, maybe 2.6 walks per nine innings. But 282 home ERA, 382 road ERA. Giving up nine home runs in both locations. Now, on the road, he has pitched about 25 fewer innings than he has at home. But by and large, has been able to do a terrific job for Kyle Wright. 3-0 in his last four starts. Has posted up a 375 ERA. He's had to have the bullpen have his back. But fortunately, he's got a tremendous bullpen behind him. A.J. Minter has been supplying a sub-250 ERA all season long. Jackson Stevens, sub-3 ERA. One guy that you want to be taking note of is Kenley Jansen. And he has just been absolutely terrible. But Colin McHugh is delivering a sub-3 ERA as well. Rocio Glacius has been solid. And then for the San Francisco Giants, bullpen has been all over the place. It's in the bottom 10 in the big leagues in terms of ERA. You have John Brebbia, Camilio Duvall. These guys have been able to do a good job along with Alex Young posting up his sub-3-2 ERA. But guys like Junior Marte, Tyler Rogers, they have been all over the place. And for the Giants, they do a good job of platooning. But you don't have that one guy that's really able to elevate the lineup. You've had Jock Peterson be able to supply 22 home runs, hitting a 270, and Theria Estrada. He's been able to do a nice job in his own right as well, hitting about a 260, 13 home runs. Luis Gonzalez hits in that pocket about a 245 to 250, along with Evan Longoria, but you could use some of those guys to be able to boost it up a little bit more. They've been trying to draw a lot of walks. Mikey Stremski has only been able to about a 210 this season when he's been out there. Brandon Belt has been a hot mess. Tommy LaSalle is hitting about a 240 with not a lot of power, so it's been an issue for this Giants team all season long. Meanwhile, the Atlanta Braves, this team is firing all cylinders. Austin Riley entering into Monday. Five home runs in his last 10 games as he, Dansby Swanson, both hitting a 283, and then you got Michael Harris the second, Von Grisham, both hitting above a 300. Why they've been giving Marcelo Zuna at bats, I have no idea, but Ronald Acuna Jr. has done a good job moving the line with a 370-ish on base. Travis no William Contreras, they both have been solid. Matt Olson, 28 home runs. So, you've got a lot of power when it comes to the Atlanta Braves team. I do think that they are going to be able to get to Jacob Junis, a guy in Jacob Junis that 
And he still, even with his strikeout numbers being a little bit up this season, has been posting up fewer than nine strikeouts per nine innings. For Junis, overall a 390 ADRA. The walks per nine rate of two. Yes, that is very impressive, but he's also giving up about 1.2 home runs per nine innings at home, a 356 ERA compared to a 443 road ERA. That's not a big enough differential for me to think that he should be valued overly much at home rather than on the road. So I'm going to be willing to take the Atlanta Braves at the minus 174 on the money line. And when it comes to total, they wind up setting my total at a 7.9. I do think that the Braves get to Junis. So looking at the 7.5 over to go along with Atlanta, 965, 966. It's going to be a part of a double dip along 971. 972 on the betting board. It is the Tampa Bay Rays on the road facing off against the Toronto Blue Jays. We know game one is going to be Jeffrey Springs going for the Rays and Alec Manoa going for the Toronto Blue Jays. Game two, it looks like we're getting a pair of bullpen games. So looks like we're getting the same drill here as we did in Pirates versus Reds. But it will give you nice hard numbers when it comes to this first game. We currently don't have numbers on the board itself, but my handicap has the Blue Jays minus 148 on the money line and Set a total of a 7.2. 7 or less, I'm going to be taking a look at an over. And a 7.5 or higher, I'm going to be taking a look at the under because you do have a pair of pitchers that have been able to do a solid job all season long here in Alec Manoa along with Jeffrey Springs. And for Springs, his ERA does heighten a little bit when he's on the road, right around about a 3.11 road ERA compared to a buck 80 home ERA. But both of these guys are posting up a little bit over two walks per nine innings. Their command has been very solid. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, you do have a lineup in which it does wind up having its struggles for the Tampa Bay Rays. Only two guys have been able to crank out a double-digit amount of homers this season. That would be Randy Orozarena, coupled with Isaac Paredes. Both of these guys between 18 and 19 home runs apiece. But with this Rays bunch, you've got a lot of guys that they do a nice job moving the line. Yandy Diaz, a four-arm base as he, Manuel Margot, hitting between about a 290 to a 300. You've had Francisco Mejia, David Peralta, and in that neighborhood of about a 255 now. Guys like Taylor Walls and company have been bad towards the bottom of the fold, but you've been able to get a lot of those guys out with some of the healthier bats being able to return as Juan Franco has been able to come back for the Tampa Bay Rays as well. That is critical. And when it comes to the Toronto Blue Jays, how about all these guys that have been able to go yard for the scene? Flagger, Jr., Boba Shett, George Springer, Teoscar Hernandez, Matt Chapman, all at least 19 home runs. And all these guys, aside from Chapman, hitting at least a 260 all the way under Kirk. It's a 300, even Remy Otapi at the bottom of the fold has been solved for the scene. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, bullpen for them has been able to do a nice job as you've got Anthony Bass who winds coming over at the trade deadline. Tim Meza, Yimmy Garcia, David Phelps, the closer in Jordan Romano, also playing a sub-3 ERA. Adam Simber has been able to do a relatively solid job as well. And you don't need to say twice what the Tampa Bay Rays have been able to do with their bullpen over the season. Says you got Jason Adam posting up a sub-2 ERA. Brooks Raley, Colin Pooch, along with Pete Fairbanks who came off the injured list. These guys have been able to supply about a sub-3 ERA as well. Now, when it comes to Game 2, that's going to make it a little bit more of an adventure. I will get to that in a second, but I did wind up setting as a result the Blue Jays minus 148 because I do think that Manoa is going to be able to do a little bit of a better job in this spot than Jeffrey Springs. Now, with Manoa about a 263 home area compared to about a 228 road area, but 0.7 home runs per 9 innings surrendered, only getting about 8 strikeouts per 9 innings. That is down from the 10.5 that he wound up having in his rookie season, but with the decrease in strikeouts, he's actually been able to go deeper into games, which is going to be very important in this ordeal. And if we do wind up 
being able to get in game two pretty much Yoni Torino slash a bullpen game for the race versus a bullpen game of the Blue Jays. I'd be setting this more around minus 136 as opposed to minus 148 that we've got in Manoa versus Springs, but I mentioned it in the Springs versus Manoa matchup, seven or less looking over seven half prior to the under, but in bullpen game versus Torino slash bullpen game of the race, this is where we go nine or less to the over and nine and a half prior to the under for the Blue Jays. They could get a little bit of length out of Julian Merriweather, who's been supplying about a five ERA thus far this season. And for the Tampa Bay Rays, someone like Calvin Foster might need to come out of the bullpen. That's not necessarily too tremendous. And if you take a look at the track record of Yoni Torinos, it's not necessarily terrific for the Blue Jays. They might wind up setting up a guy from the minor league level, and they've had bad luck with guys like Tommy Hatch and company. So I do think that that's going to lend itself to a lot of runs. And it's a Tampa Bay Rays team that in general has been able to play the Toronto Blue Jays quite well over the years. So that is something that winds factoring into this a little bit as well. But when you do wind up having to travel to Toronto as well, circumstance where you do have to wind up leaving a few guys back as well because of vaccination status of things of that nature. So it is a circumstance where if we wind up getting someone like a Yoni Chirinos who throughout his MLB career, about a 360 ERA at the show, I'd be setting the Blue Jays as a minus 136 favorite and making that total significantly higher as we go 967, 968 on the betting board. The LA Angels, they throw the facing off against the Cleveland Guardians. Cody Morris is going to be going for the Guardians and Jose Suarez is on the bump for the Angels. Angels are an underdog of between plus 120 and plus 130. Meanwhile, I am working minus 135 to a minus 145 is the number on Cleveland. It is the total over and under both at minus 110. And Jose Suarez has been able to do a solid job of coming out all season long and being able to hold down the fort. But I do have a few trepidations with him. I set my total at an 8.4. I'm going to be taking a look at the over because with Cody Morris, got to figure that he's pretty much going to be an opener in this ordeal. He has made two starts at the big league level for the Cleveland Guardians. He has given up two runs over the course of six innings, but it's really a case where he's not going to wind up going deep. He never threw more than 61 pitches a season at the minor league level, which means that you're going to be looking to James Garantrek and Emmanuel Classe, the best 8th and ninth inning duo right now going in baseball, and on top of that, Trevor Steven, Nick Sandlin, and Yelde Los Santos. They have been able to supply a sub-3 ERA in this Cleveland Guardians bullpen, a Guardians bullpen that post-Alster break has the best ERA in all the big leagues Flip side for this Angels team. You've been able to get a little bit more out of this bullpen as well. Jose Quiata has been posting up right around 375 ERA. Aaron Loop has been a little bit more respectable. I like what Ryan Tavares has been able to do recently as it's been a little bit of a tough season for him, but Andrew Watts has been able to do a solid job as well. And for the Angels, very top-heavy lineup. If you're able to string these hits together, it's very good because you've got a quadrant of guys in Choi Otani, Taylor Ward, Luis Ranifo, Mike Trout hitting between a 265 to a 280 with Otani and Trout north of 32 home runs apiece, but you do wind up getting down to the bottom. Max Assey, Mickey Monick, Andrew Velasquez, Mike Ford, guys like this, they are posting up a a sub-200 batting average, and for the Cleveland Guardians, main thing for the team is that they just move the line. They're the top team in the big leagues in terms of field strikeouts on a per-at-bat basis as you've got Amid Rosario, Steven Kwan, Jose Ramirez, Oscar Gonzalez, Andres Amenes, all hitting at least a 275 with Ramirez cranking out 26 home runs, north of 100 RBI. Going into Monday, Josh Naylor along with Andres Jimenez, both between 16 and 17 home runs apiece with Naylor hitting in that fold of about a 265, but I do think that the Guardians going to do a solid job with their bullpen. I do think that the Angels, especially with the top of the fold, they are going to be able to get to Cody Morris 
in this circumstance. So I do wind up saying my total at an 8.4. As a result, I'm going to be taking a look at the over. And with Jose Suarez, he's been able to do a better job recently, but he does have overall for the season an ERA that is hovering right around a 377. It's been more like a 310 over his last four starts. But for his career as an ERA, that's nearly two points higher as a starter rather than as a relief arm. And I do think that the Guardians are going to go death by a million cuts against a guy that has been giving up about 3.2 walks per nine innings. So going to be taking a look at the over and willing to lay up to a minus 138 with the Guardians. 969-970 on the betting board. It is the Houston Astros. They have throw face off against the Detroit Tigers. Drew Hutchinson is going to be going for the Tigers and Hunter Brown is on the bump for Houston. Houston, anywhere between a minus $2 to a minus $2.15 favorite between plus 180 and plus 195 is the number on Detroit. Eight is your total. Under is between minus 105 and plus 105. Over is any between minus 115 and minus 125. And need at least a plus 190 to take a shot on the Detroit Tigers. But we are starting to get there. I'm going to be one to take a shot on Detroit with Hunter Brown. Very good up-and-coming prospect. In his first career start, he wound up going six scoreless innings. He's got good electrifying stuff. In that start, he also only wound up giving up one walk, which is something that stands out to me. He does a good job just in terms of the command in general. If you take a look at what he wound up doing at the minor league level for the Sugarland Skeeters, he did wind up having 3.8 walks per 9 innings. I do fear that that might wind up creeping up a little bit. 11.5 punch outs per 9 innings. Really did not wind up giving up a lot of contact, and this is a Detroit Tigers team that let's call it what it is. It's been a little bit of a struggle for this team on offense now. They entered into yesterday's game having scored at least 4 runs in 4 out of their last 5 games, but you still have so many guys like Jonathan Scope, Tucker Barnard, Akil Badu, Spencer Torkelson. You're able to go down the list of guys hitting a 220 or lower, though. Javi Bias over the last 30 days has been able to buy a 260 for the team. Willie Castro, Riley Green, Ryan Kreidler. These are guys hitting between about a 242, 255. So, got guys that are starting to move the line. And for the Houston Astros, the lineup is starting to get fortified as well. Jordan Alvarez with a multi hit game yesterday. He had a home run on Sunday. He had been really dealing with some ailments. Post all star break. It looks like he's starting to get over those. Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve, both hitting north of a 375 in terms of the on base. And both of these guys, 20 plus home runs. Kyle Tucker has been able to do a good job supplying 25 home runs himself. Trey Boomba Mancini, 335 on base, 15 plus home runs out of him. So very good hitting. He's an Astros team. And for the Astros, they're number one currently in terms of bullpen ERA. Ryan Sanic along with Ryan Rayu, a sub two ERA. Seth Martinez has been good with Rafael Montero in the bullpen as well. Ryan Presley has been a little bit banged up, but he's back in the fold, supplying about a 3 2 ERA. And for the Detroit Tigers, a bullpen that has been for the season good. It's been above average, but since the beginning of August, they've been posting up a bullpen ERA that offers in the neighborhood of five that has been in the bottom five in the big leagues. These guys are just getting used up a little bit too much, and now they have to look to guys like Daniel Norris for innings, and that's not great. Gregory Soto has seen things go downward a little bit. Garrett Hill has not been good out of the bullpen. Andrew Chafin, Jose Cicerno, they've done their part, but Alex Lang has seen his ERA creep a little bit northward of four, but... I do like what Drew Hutchinson has been able to do in recent starts as well. Hutchinson overall, 0.9 home runs per nine innings. That's actually been a little bit worse when he has been out home rather than on the road. 440 home area compared to a road area of a 369. But walks per nine rate, it was very bad at the beginning of the season, right around a 3.7 walks per nine rate. He's been able to do a better job recently. In his last five starts, eight walks rendered in 25 and a third innings. So he's been able to clean that up a little bit. Opponents have been hitting a 260 off of him. Not a guy that is going to be lighting up the radar gun as he's posting up about 5.9 straight cuts per nine innings. But I do think that the Detroit Tigers should be able to get to a young guy here in Hunter Brown that I think he's getting just a little bit overvalued, a little bit too early. So I'm willing to take plus 190 or greater with the Detroit Tigers. And 
I do think that they're going to be able to get to the yump up as well. So, semi-tilt at 8.2, looking over and looking at the Detroit Tigers at a plus 190 or greater. 971, 972, part of the Rays and Jays double dip. So, we go 973, 974 on the bang board. The New York Yankees, they're going to be on the road facing off against the Boston Red Sox. As Nick Pavetta is going to be going for the Sox. And Garrett Cole is on the bump for the New York Yankees. The Yankees are between minus 158 and minus 170 favorites. And between plus 145 and plus 154 is the number on the Boston Red Sox. 8 to 8.5 is the total on the 8. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8.5. Over is anywhere between even and minus 120. So you've got quite the range there. And that's for both sides. And with Boston, I did need at least a plus 152 in the circumstance. Wound up talking about this game a little bit with Lauren. But for Garrett Cole, I've got my question marks with him. He's still been able to supply those north of 11 strikeouts per nine innings. But on the road, it is giving up a 343 ERA. And his home runs per nine rate has been about a 1.4. That is an issue now. We can't let our good friend, Mr. Nick Pavetta, off the hook as he's been giving up about 1.3 home runs per nine innings. His ERA rises by nearly a full point when he is at home rather than on the road. About a 380 road ERA compared to about a 475 at home. And for the Boston Red Sox, worst bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues post-All-Star break as Jersich Familia, Caleb Ort, Eduardo Barzardo, Matt Barnes, Ryan Brazier. These are all guys that have been posting up north of a 5 ERA. It has not been good for them all season long, but you do have John Trybers posting up a 2 ERA. Garrett Woodlock is able to give you multiple innings. Matt Stram has been able to do a solid job. And for the New York Yankees, really the forte of this team has been the bullpen, along with our good friend Aaron Judge, who we'll hit on in a second, but with the Yankees bullpen. Guys like Ron Marinacchio, he's had his struggles, but Clay Holmes, Lucas Ludke, Wandy Peralta, in a Yankees uniform, a Yankees uniform only, Lou Trevino. They've been able to supply a sub-3 ERA. When Clark Schmidt has come out of the bullpen, he's been good. As a starter, not so much. And for the New York Yankees, just all about finding inning around Aaron Judge. Judge, he is up for the Triple Crown right now. He's hitting a 307 with 55 home runs, north of 400 on base. He has been lights out, but when you've got guys like Oswaldo Cabrera in the fold, that does wind up hurting this team quite a bit. You've had north of 25 home runs this season out of John Carlos Santon, but he and Josh Donaldson both hitting a 225 or lower along with Aaron Hicks. Esteban Floreal, that's not a guy that you want to be trusting in. Miguel Andor just hasn't seen a lot of at-bats this season. I will say, Labor Torres has been solved for this bunch. He's hitting about a 240, 21 home runs. You've had Isaiah Canera Falefa, not a power guy, but someone who's been able to move the line, do a solid job as well, but for the Boston Red Sox, it's been a little bit too much on Rafi Devers to be able to crank out the deep ball, hitting a 290 with 26 home runs, but Alex Verdugo, Christian Royal, they're in between about a 282, 290. You've had Xander Bogarts be able to supply a 320 batting average. Trevor Story, Tommy Pham, they both have 16 home runs this season, and for Pham, he's been able to 270, so it's coming over as well. So, a fortified offense, probably going to be a little bit chillier out there in the northeast part of the country, and Yankees-Red Sox games, they do tend to be a little bit lower scoring. I think that Cole going to have an okay performance, but he's got north of a 5-year against Boston this season. I do think that Nick Pavetta going to be able to do a relatively solid job against a downtrodden Yankees lineup, Sans Aaron Judge. So, somebody tell an 8.2. I'm looking at the 8.5 under. And with regards to the Boston Red Sox, need at least a plus 152. Going to be willing to take a shot. 975, 976 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins, they play out to the Kansas City Royals. Cruz for the K. Bubich is going to be going for the Royals and Joe Ryan on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. Twins are sizable favorites. Any routine, minus 177 to a minus 188. And with the Kansas City Royals and between plus 155 and plus 173 is the number 8F to 8 is the total on the 8. 
over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8.5. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. If you're looking at the Twins run line, that's anywhere between plus 105 and plus 115. I was willing to go up to a minus 110 because you do have Chris with the K. Boobich, who has been having a rather difficult time of things. He's already had two starts where he has not made it out of the first inning, giving up three plus runs and four out of his last five starts, and he is backed up by the bullpen that ranks dead last in the big leagues in terms of ERA. That is not great when you've got Amir Garrett posting up north of a five ERA. When they had out there Taylor Clark, he was doing a solid job as he, Dylan Coleman, Scott Barlow have been able to supply a sub 3-4 ERA for this team. Jose Kuas has been a little bit all over the place. He's posting up a 3-45 ERA, but has been touch and go with him. Colin Slater, Anthony Machevich, Luke Weaver, they're just not cutting it in. For the Kansas City Royals, it's an offense that they've been a little bit random this season as well. You've been able to get the deep ball out of Salvador Perez and Bobby Witt Jr. Both are supplying 20 home runs this season, and both of these guys now hitting between about a 244 to a 250 with Salvador Perez over the last 40 days, hitting nearly a 300. Michael A. Taylor has been able to 270 for the team as well, and then got a couple guys like a Nicky Lopez hitting at 240. It has been hot and cold with Nate Eaton, but he's been able to 250 along with Mike Massey as well. But got guys towards the bottom of the fold like Kyle Isabel, Drew Waters that they really need to pick it up. Nick Prado has been hitting below 200, and for the Minnesota Twins, they've been dealing with injuries to Ori Polanco and Byron Bucks and really two of their main home run hitters, but still have a lot of guys that do a good job of being able to get on base. Luis Arias has been hitting a 315 this season. Nick Gordon, Gio Urshela, Jose Miranda, Carlos Correa, only between about a 267 to a 280. Not necessarily a lot of power out of anyone other than Correa with 19 home runs, but you've been able to have Gary Sanchez be able to hit home runs recently. Batting average has certainly not been there, but for the Minnesota Twins, I like Yuan Duran in the bullpen. He's able to give you multiple innings, so it's 100 plus miles per hour. He's been posting up a sub two. ERA. Now, Trevor McGill, north of a 5 ERA over the last 3 days. That's not been great. Ore Lopez has been a bit touch and go recently, but still a sub-250 ERA. Michael Former has been a valuable piece for this bullpen as well. Jarrell Cotton is able to give you a sub-3 ERA as well, so I do think that Joe Ryan going to be well protected, and for Joe Ryan, he's been able to do a good job at home. On the road, it has been a much different story, which is why I've seen his ERA go way upward this season, but at home, 313 home ERA. He's been giving up at home right around 1.1 home runs per nine innings on the road. His home runs per nine rate winds up shooting up to nearly two. He doesn't give up a ton of walks, about 2.7 to 2.8 walks per nine innings. Not a strikeout king, but someone that gets right around nine strikeouts per nine innings. I think that he's going to do a solid job against this Royals lineup. So it was a spot where I was comfortable laying a small price on the run line with the Twins, so I'm going to be looking there. I did wind up saying my total at an 8.4. I do think that Ryan is going to be able to land a relatively solid start. I would rather have an 8 over rather than an 8.5 under, personally, so we shall see how this winds up moving overnight, but currently targeting an 8 over to go along with the Twins' run line. 977-978 on the bank board. The Walker Texas Rangers play also the Oakland A's. Ken Waldachuk is going to be going for the A's, and Cole Reagans is on the bump for Texas. Texas is back. They're being a favorite of any team minus 150 to a minus 155 between plus 135 and plus 140. The number on Oakland, 8.5 is the total. The under is minus 115. The over is minus 105. And when it comes to the Rangers, was willing to lay up to a minus 154. So pretty much where the number rests right now. I'm seeing their run line at plus 135. I was willing to take up to a plus 130 or greater. So we're sort of in that circumstance where things line up with where I've got it. I would rather play it a little bit safer in this spot and take the money line because with the Texas Rangers, the bullpen is honestly been too terrific. You've got two guys that have been able to do a very solid job in Matt Moore and Brock Burke, but this team is coming off of a doubleheader yesterday and Cole Reagan's just has not been able to throw a lot of innings in general recently because he is coming off the injured list. My start against 
to Houston Astros was limited to just three innings. Three scoreless innings, but he also did wind up having three walks in that time span as well for Reagans. He has been giving up a little bit over five walks per nine innings. He's actually got more walks and strikeouts right now. That is a little bit concerning, but he has been able to post up a 270 home area right now. Small sample size, 10 innings, but he's been able to do a solid job on that front. And Ken Waldeschuk, well, he's got a small sample size of his own as for a good friend, Mr. Waldachuk. He's got a 360 ERA. His main two starts, he gave up three runs in five and a third innings against the Atlanta Braves. One run surrendered in four and two-thirds innings against the Washington Nationals at the minor league level. Not a guy that wound up like tearing it up by any stretch of the imagination, but a guy that I feel like can be able to make it in the big leagues for the next few seasons. It's a good building block for the Oakland A's between his time with the Yankees and the Oakland A's. He had 13 strikeouts per nine innings, a walks per nine rate of a three and a half. That was a tad bit high, but he certainly does have good swing and miss stuff and a little bit of upside. And he's got more upside than a lot of these Oakland A's hitters. As for the Oakland A's, really, other than Sean Murphy, who's hitting about a 255, you don't have a single guy that's seen north of 50 at-bats hitting above 240. As Murphy and Seth Brown, they've been able to combine for 39 home runs this season. But we've got guys like Tony Kemp, who just can't move the line in general. That does make it tough now. Part of the reason why the Oakland A's Offensive numbers are so bad is that they play, in in my opinion, the most pitcher-friendly ballpark in Oakland when they're on the road. Their batting averages do wind up rising up just a little bit. They're able to crank out the deep ball a tad bit more as well. But for Texas, he's got a quadrant of guys with north of 20 home runs. Adelise Garcia, Marcus Simeon, Nate Lowe, and Corey Seager with Lowe hitting above a 3-iron. And then Seager, Garcia, Simeon hitting between about a 242-250. Bubba Thompson has been hitting nearly a 300 for this lineup. And then you've had Leody Tavares being a stable setter as well. So that is why I'm willing to lay up to a minus 154 with the Texas Rangers. I do think that there's going to be a lot of mixing and matching. You could even wind up seeing someone like a long guy like Taylor Hearn wind up coming out of the bullpen if he's not using game two of the double dip against the Miami Marlins. But despite coming off of that double dip, I do think that the Rangers are going to be able to get to the Oakland A's and a bullpen that has been dealing with injuries to guys like Zach Jackson and Danny Jimenez. You've had Sam Mall, AJ Puck, be able to supply a sub-3-5 ERA this season in Bingo Acevedo. That's not been bad, but that depleted bullpen, that is a little bit of an issue. So, I'm going to be willing to take the Texas Rangers in this spot, and I did wind up saying my Tilla at a 9.1. I don't think that Reagans is going to be long for this game, and I do think that the Rangers will come alive with their bats. So, taking a look at the over, and I'm going to be taking a look at the Texas Rangers as we go 979-980 on the betting board the Washington Nationals. They play also the Baltimore Orioles. Dean Kramer is going to be going for the Orioles, and Corey Abbott on the bump for the Nationals. 8.5 is the total over and under both at minus 110. Baltimore is between a minus 140 to a minus 145 favorite. Between plus 125 and plus 130 is the number on Washington. And for the Baltimore Orioles, set them as a much bigger favorite in the circumstance. I did wind up making them a minus 188 favorite. I was willing to lay a price on the run line. Currently, we're able to get plus money on that Baltimore Orioles run line. More around a plus 110 to a plus 115 on a lot of spots. So, I'm going to be willing to nibble there. When it comes to Kramer, he's been able to do a solid job all season long. And you just don't know how long Corey Abbott is going to be able to go for the Washington Nationals. As the Nationals have utilized him in a little bit of a long roll. And then they've had him be coming out as a starter as well. He did wind up having that nice win against Jacob DeGrom a few weeks ago. But certainly has not been a guy that has been fully stretched out to this point. Meanwhile, with Mr. Dean Kramer, he's been 
doing a good job of being able to elude bats in general. Two walks per nine innings. He's only been getting right around 6.8 strikeouts per nine innings, but it's just given up seven home runs. Has been a master at being able to get soft contact and has been relatively consistent home and road. 317 home ERA, 330 ERA on the road. Opponents overall hitting a 267 off of them. So you got to figure that there's going to be a little bit of negative regression. And for the Washington Nationals, five plus runs for them in now seven out of their last 12 games. So they've done a solid job there. But for Corey Abbott, he wound up pitching four and a third innings against the St. Louis Cardinals last Wednesday, and then he comes out for an inning of relief on Saturday. He's just been all over the place recently, and I think that that's just bad for a pitcher in general. We see a lot of guys that they wind up having shall we say, sporadic usage, and they typically wind up going down the toilet bowl from there. And this is a Baltimore Orioles lineup that has been able to get great power out of Anthony Santander as they go deep 27 times. They could use a little bit more at the leadoff spot, and Cedric Mullins is starting to provide that. He's got his average up to a 265, and then past that, I mentioned Santander, Adelie Rushman, Austin Hayes, Ramon Urias, these guys all in between about a 247 to a 254. Ryan Mountcastle is hitting a 245 with 21 home runs. Now, post all-star break is hitting right around the Mendoza line of a 200, but still has been able to do a good job. And with Cedric Mullins, has been a top five base dealer in the American League this season. And he and Ore Mateo are both in that fold. And for Mateo, second half of the season, he's been able to do a solid job of being able to reach base as well, hitting about a 263. He's got five homers and earned 50 at bats as well. So he's been solid for this Orioles team. And then with the Orioles, you've just got so much more bullpen depth as well as even though you wind up seeing Ore Lopez get dealt at the trade deadline got Felix Batista Keegan Aiken, CNL Perez Dylan Tate, all these guys posting up a sub 3-3 ERA, Joey Creepy all has been in solid as well and for the Washington Nationals credit where credit is due, guys like Kyle Finnegan Erasmo Ramirez are a big reason why this team as a massive underdog the last few weeks has been able to win quite a few games, Hunter Harvey has been posting up a sub 3 ERA as well but lineup still a little bit depleted, Joey Manessas, great story, 30 year old that winds coming up to the big leagues getting an opportunity and he's been hitting above a 3-iron. You do have Lane Thomas who's been able to crank out 15 home runs and you've got Luke Voigt. He's been able to go deep about 19 times this season with Thomas, Kibera Weiss, Cesar Hernandez, Voigt in a Nationals uniform. All these guys in between about a 245 to a 255 so that's helped them out and Alex Call has been very good since he wound up getting called up by the Nationals as well in a Nationals uniform has been hitting a 270 as well but I do think that the Orioles a team that's still very lively for this wild card on. They're going to be able to get to someone in Corey Abbott who's been just uneven with his usage. Probably not going to be able to go deep in this game. So I want to say my total at 9.1 looking over and I'm willing to fire in on the Orioles. I'm willing to take them on the run line. I felt like should have been a minus number on the run line. Able to get that at plus money. We're going to fire in on that. 981, 982 on the betting board. The Chicago White Sox play OC Colorado Rockies. Chad Cool hopes to be Mr. Cool for the Rocks and Michael Kopech is on the bump for the White Sox. White Sox between minus 180 to minus 190 favorites between plus 160 and plus 168. The number on Colorado. 8 to 8 and a half is the total on the 8. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 8 and a half. Under is minus 115. And the over is minus 105. And semi-total at an 8.3. Michael Kopech has been a little bit banged up. That has not helped out the Chicago White Sox cause. But they're going up against Colorado Rockies team that they average nearly 5.8 runs per game at home. This falls to about 3.2 to 3.3 on the road. Biggest discrepancy in all of baseball because when you wind up going to elevation and leaving elevation, that just... Well, it does not wind up blending for a good time. And for Kopech, he has given 
given up three plus runs in now four out of his last five starts. First start coming off of the injured list his last time out was a little bit shaky, but he's been significantly better at home rather than on the road. Just a one and five record, but a 297 ERA in Chicago, giving up one home run per nine innings. So opponents are a buck 57 off of him at guaranteed rate field. You got to figure that that is going to be going a little bit northward, but for the Rockies, they had about 40 points lower when they are on the road rather than at home. Got big giant discrepancies like CJ Chrome, for instance. He's got 28 home runs this season. Just seven of them have came on the road. Brandon Rogers, he's got more than 10 home runs at home. He's got just one on the road as well. As a matter of fact, as a collective, the Colorado Rockies, they're hitting 231 on the road this season, and the Colorado Rockies, they've been able to do a nice job when they've been at home this season on the road, 21-46. and 46. I believe that that is the worst road record in all the big leagues. You've had this bullpen not necessarily look as great when they've been on the road as well. Someone like an Alex Galme has his ERA go up by two points when he's at home rather than on the road, and you're able to find that with so many guys, and you're part of the last two seasons has been a part of that. I do like Denelson Lamette in that bullpen but it's not necessarily too terrific. And then Jimmy Lambert along with Reynaldo Lopez in the bullpen for the White Sox. Sub-3 ERAs out of both of these guys. Liam Hendricks, Kendall Graveman. They've been good in the 8th and ninth inning. And for the White Sox, they've been doing all of this with still being in the bottom 8 in the big leagues in terms of home runs on a per-game basis. Andrew Vaughn has been able to give you 15 home runs. Jose Abreu, 14. And got a couple of other guys between like 11 and 12. But this team just does a good job in general of being able to get on base. Eloy Jimenez, Jose Abreu throwing there the young gun in Romy Gonzalez. These guys are all guys hanging at least at 300. And then from there, Luis Robert has been a little bit in and out of the fold, along with Andrew Vaughn hitting between about a 285 and 295. And been able to have Elvis Andrews since he's come over hit about a 290 as well. So that has been beneficial for this White Sox team. When it comes to Chad Cool, he has not been Mr. Cool for the Colorado Rockies as he has given up at least three runs in, I believe now, 10 out of his last 11 starts. I mean, it has been ever since the beginning of the month of July. He has allowed at least three runs in every single one of them. That is a span of nine starts. He had that scoreless game against the LA Dodgers. He shut out, and then he allowed three-plus runs in the previous three as well. So, in total, 12 out of his last 13. It is not great, to say the least. And on the road, he's been bad. At home, he's been bad. His walks per nine rate is about a 4.2. His home runs per nine rate is in the neighborhood about a 1.8. Just not a lot of... Confidence that you can wind up having in him now. I do think that the White Sox might be held down just a little bit in this game, but I'm going to take Michael Kopech. I think that this is a very good bounce-back spot for him. I did want to say my total as a result at an 8.3 with the lack of home run power of the White Sox. I'm looking at the under, and when it comes to the White Sox, I'm going to be willing to take the run line, which I'm currently seeing at a plus 110, as I think that they should be able to stymie the Colorado Rockies. So looking at the run line and looking at the under on 8.5, and, and we wrap things up with my DK Nation pick, 983 and 984 on the betting board. The Seattle Mariners, they play the San Diego Padres. Hugh Darvish goes for the Padres, and Logan Gilbert is on the bump for Seattle. Seattle between a minus 108 to a minus 115 favorite, and we're between even money and minus 105. The number on San Diego, 7 to 7 half is your total on the 7. Over is minus 120. The under is even on the 7 half. Under is minus 120, and the over is even. Semi-total is 6.8. I'm looking under, but with the Seattle Mariners, made them a minus 139 favorite, so Mariners' money line is going to be the DK Nation pick, and the big reason why 
Hugh Darvish has some pretty demonstrative home and road splits ever since he has come over from San Diego. His road ERA has been nearly two points higher than it has been at home. This year, it's been more around 1.65 points higher as he's got a 409 road ERA compared to a 245 home ERA. And it's not necessarily the deep ball. His home runs per nine rate is actually a little bit better on the road than he is at home, but bonus starting about a 242 off of him. Strikeout numbers are still there for you, Darvish. He's been getting nine strikeouts per nine innings, posting up fewer than two walks per nine innings, but for Logan Gilbert, he's been able to do a very rock-solid job for the Seattle Mariners. Last two starts, 12 combined scoreless settings with 18 strikeouts in that span, so he is starting to come into his own. It's actually been a little bit worse at home rather than on the road. 360 home ERA, 295 ERA on the road, and for Logan Gilbert, it's been giving up about one home run per nine innings. The walks have been very much in reason. 2.2, 2.3 walks per nine innings. Gets a little bit over eight strikeouts per nine innings as well, but for the Seattle Mariners, all of a sudden, they've been able to discover the deep balls. And Eugenio Suarez, coupled with Julio Rodriguez, Cal Raleigh, a trio of guys that have able to slug out 23-plus home runs this season. They get back Mitch Haniger, who had 39 home runs last season. He's been able to do a good job of being able to move the line, get on base for the team along Ty France. He's been able to hit a 275 for this bunch. Sam Haggerty has been very underrated. They get 295 on base percentage right around a 353. And for the Seattle Mariners, since the beginning of the month of June, they and the Cleveland Guardians 1-2 in terms of bullpen ERA. Eric Swanson, Pem Murphy, Paul Sewald, all sub-3 ERAs this season along with Andres Munoz. Diego Castillo has been a little bit of an adventure this season, but Matt Brash, since he wanted going into the bullpen, he has been rock solid. And for the San Diego Padres, got a guy by the name of Josh Hader who has a north of nine ERA ever since he wanted joining the team. You've had Nabel Christmas be able to do an okay job. He's been able to be a multi-ending guy, but currently he's dealing with a little bit of an injury, so that depletes them a little bit more. Adrian Marajone along with Nick Martinez. These are guys posting up a sub-3-5 ERA as well. Craig Salmon has been able to come back, but with the San Diego Padres, it's been a lineup that has not been able to gel together. You pick up Juan Soto at the trade deadline, and he has not done a lot along with Josh Bell. As a matter of fact, Josh Bell hitting a 205 ever since he wanted coming over. Juan Soto, I believe that he has just three home runs this season with the San Diego Padres, was able to go deep with the Washington Nationals towards back half of his tenure there, but certainly has not been working out on that front. Brandon Drury, he wanted getting hit in the head with a pitch from Dustin May, so he's been out as well. So it's a Padres team that is a little bit depleted, has had a lot of guys struggling since Manny Machado with his 300 average and being able to hit 28 home runs in Seattle. They've got a nice little home field advantage as it is very pitcher-friendly, which is why I did wind up saying Machado at 6.8. Still think that you Darvish going to be able to land a better start than normal, but that said, I do think that Logan Gilbert going to do well with you Darvish. I think that the bullpen takes hold from there, so looking at the under, and I'm willing to take the Seattle Mariners with the DK Nation pick, and that'll wrap things up. For the Tuesday edition of the Baseball Betting Show, now part of the Beeson Family Podcast, big thanks to Lauren Campbell of Ness for joining me in the last segment. If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, Baseball Betting Show, you're able to subscribe wherever your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Citra, and TuneIn. If you've got a question, comment, segment, idea, whatever you for this podcast, you do have one of two ways to be able to fire those in. First one is my Twitter timeline, at unit underscore D1. Keep in mind, letters EM, maybe does not matter, so as per usual, please do send these into the timeline, and the other way, it is fine an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. From there, you're able to find whatever you'd like to hear on this podcast via that five star review. I'll be coming at you guys every single day throughout the baseball season, and that means I'm coming at you once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo. 
the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. Welcome to 500 Greatest Songs, a podcast based on Rolling Stone's hugely popular, influential, and sometimes controversial list. I'm Brittany Spanos. And I'm Rob Sheffield. We're here to shed light on the greatest songs ever made and discover what makes them so great. From classics like Fleetwood Mac's Dreams to the Ronettes' Be My Baby, and modern day classics like The Killer's Mr. Brightside. Listen to Rolling Stone's 500 Greatest Songs on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. Whether it's your first time betting or you've been gambling for years, have a plan and know the game. Be aware of the rules and odds before you gamble. Set a budget and never gamble with money you can't afford to lose. Take a break and consider teaming up with trusted friends to help you stick to your budget. Remember, if you or a loved one has a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER 24-7 or go to helpmygamblingproblem.org for free confidential services. 